Well, here we are on the roundtable. It's Friday. That's the best news of it all. And uh, Bob Brogan is fashionably late as he comes in once again. He's probably just on time for Bob. Totally your fault. Got away from me. And That's okay. Then time is our enemy. It is. Hardest working man in show business, Bob Brogan, right there. So it's wow. hard to You're explain comparing to James people. Brown to Bob Brogan. I can't see the difference personally. It's hard to explain to people our time deadlines that we live and die yeah. by the clock. Because if you don't get something done at work, I feel like in any other job, eh, it's not necessarily that big of a deal. You can do it the following day. Not with us. Well, that voice that you're hearing is Jessie Harding, and uh, she's very right about that. What do you got for us today, young lady? Hopefully better news than yesterday's WASDE report. So at the 1213, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts is doing a trade mission to Canada. I think they're either coming back today or tomorrow, so we'll get an update about what they're able to do. Also, tractor sales for July has been released. We'll talk about if that's higher or lower. For the 1219, it's Friday, so we can expect our latest state climatologist update with Al Dutcher. That's my favorite part of the week right there. Just the 1219 on Friday. and that's Just it. Al Dutcher. <laughs> and, but this time he's with Joe, so they'll talk about what we can expect for this weekend and the next week and a little bit on that long-term forecast. I'm probably sure if we're starting to get close to being able to talk about the 21st. And what weather there may or may not be for the eclipse. So it'll be interesting to watch in between now and Monday the 21st. For the newsmaker, I am with Rorick Paulman. He is chairman of the Water Balance Alliance. We're discussing the Water and Crops Field Day that will be coming up in North Platte on August 24th. They have a lot of good speakers lined up. They're talking a lot about technology, water, and economics of it all. And a great partnership with the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Extension out there at the West Central Research Station as well. And then for the 117, it's Friday, which means there's another time again for Fridays in the field. This time, Shaley is with Ben Peters talking about hopefully some of the water they've gotten since last time they spoke. Maybe a little bit of hail out there, too. But we'll get an update on how things are doing near the Grand Island area. Well, we can all hope for good weather on the 21st. A lot of a lot of disappointed people if we've got overcast skies. I know. That, uh, it won't be good. We really won't. Brandon Bennett is here with sports. Huskers keep getting hurt. Huskers keep getting hurt, and speaking of getting hurt, it's uh, it's not looking good for the Carney Nine mm. right now. In fact, they are down 9-0 going into the top of the fifth inning against the Wii team, so um, things aren't looking good. It is, well, let's just put it this way. It's overcast in Indianapolis, <laughs> and it's cloudy, too. It really is. Well, Webb City, where's Webb City? By Joplin. By Down by Joplin. It's where Grant Wistrom is from. That's right. Very good. Well, if, and you might want to be working out because they need receivers if you have any eligibility left for the Huskers. Yeah. No. Speaking of eligibility, Bob Brogan. Investors are welcoming new data showing inflation at the consumer level inched higher last month, and that suggests the Federal Reserve may be less likely to raise interest rates next month, and uh, that's weighing on bank shares. Also, uh, traders are continuing to keep an eye on the uh, ongoing tensions, of course, between North Korea and the United States, and uh, a gloomy report from J.C. Penney. Those are some of the things that are topping the business news today. All right. Well, if you have investments in Guam, you may want to consider uh, <laughs> getting out. I don't know. It's all coming up on midday. Thanks, folks. In the 
Well, that was quick. That was the weather tease. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> the ending <laughs> that's, there. Oh, well, that was, that was fun anyway. That was a little tease for you. We got Paul Perkins in here, and boy, it just looks like much of the same and feels like june early june or something yeah very like uh, fall like this morning for sure we had temperatures in many areas in the upper 40s to low 50s wow. so we got down to 46 i think in a few locations but uh, very nice right now very nice day across the region upper 60s to low 70s for most of us we have some mid to upper 70s currently over far southeast nebraska into central and east kansas especially as you go to the south of I-70. Today going to be sunny and mostly dry. High pressure pushing in from the north with some more unseasonably cool air. Thunderstorms expected to develop in the high plains later today and the west. Those will then track to the east. We'll see the leftovers of those storms into the central and east later on for tonight. Thunderstorm chances though are better for tomorrow. They will increase with a stronger disturbance. Our best chance tomorrow for some thunderstorms is going to be during the afternoon and evening, then continuing into the overnight. Those thunderstorms expected to linger some into Sunday before they finally move out by Sunday. So some prolonged chances. Had some showers and thunderstorms starting tomorrow afternoon and potentially into Sunday early. A weaker disturbance Sunday night may develop a few more thunderstorm chances. Off and on, thunderstorm chances remain in the forecast for the first half of next week. Then we start heading towards a drier and warmer pattern, a more westerly flow, and that will allow for a high-pressure ridge to start tracking east and bringing in those drier and warmer conditions for the latter half of next week. And in the long term, temperatures now for the first time in about three weeks, Scott, we're forecast to be near normal or seasonal for this time of year. Instead, we're on like a three-week stretch here of below normal temperatures. Wow. And we are headed towards seasonal or near normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas in the latest long-term forecast for Wednesday through August 24th. Now, for reference, in central Nebraska, daytime highs in mid-August usually average in the mid-80s with overnight lows mostly in the low 60s. So that's a trend that we are headed for. Our precipitation forecast starts out with above-normal rainfall for a few days in Nebraska and Kansas, the middle of next week. Then we trend to near normal for rainfall late next week through August 23rd. Your weather factors driving market decisions include cool, mainly dry weather continuing in the Corn Belt, no significant rains for the northern plains and Canadian prairies, and continued rain chances for the wheat area of the southern plains. Much of the country will experience cooler than normal weather over the next several days. It's going to continue to be hot in the far northwest U.S. A cold front pushing into the southeast U.S. will encounter some abundant moisture and become nearly stationary to help spark some heavy rain. The cooler weather, mostly favorable in the Midwest for filling out the corn and soybeans. There is a chance of some rain in the seven-day period for the Corn Belt, but right now some uncertainty with that forecast. More rain is needed in parts of Illinois and also some drought-stressed areas of south and west Iowa. There are flooding concerns in Oklahoma as we head into the weekend where multi-day storms are expected to dump three to five inches of rain today through Sunday. Most of the southern plains, though, looking to see some favorable rain ahead of wheat planting for next month. Drought stress continues for late-filling corn and soybeans in the northern plains where rain chances remain on the limited side. The cooler weather, though, helping to ease the crop stress. The Canadian prairies also will see limited rain chances and also a return to hot weather starting Sunday that lasts several days to further add to their crop stress in the Canadian prairies. Well, one of the things that we talked about on Roundtable, too, is we're going to be starting to look at what the forecast looks like for the 21st and for the eclipse. Right now, it looks like probably slightly unsettled. Okay. We can't rule out some rain, but it's going to be in the middle part of the day, so that's going to lower those rain chances. Probably 
a sky like we're seeing today, maybe a few more passing clouds. So it can't rule out cloud cover is the way it looks like now. Now, But temperature is actually going to be pretty nice in the low half of the 80s when this uh, eclipse okay. occurs. So, Well, we're going to hold you to that. All right? <laughs> this Ag Weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. When you uh, need to check out your weather, where you go? It, weather at krvn.com. And just one other note here. Yes. Uh, hey, the Carney Little League team was down nine to nothing to Missouri in the bottom of the fifth, and they just hit a grand slam homer, and they are now wow. at nine to four. So maybe a comeback spark. They that. hadn't touched that pitcher all day, so that's good news. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. Appreciate it. at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. A trip to Canada to discuss the North American Free Trade Agreement wraps up today. Bryce Duskett has more. A five-day trade mission comes to a conclusion as Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts and other delegates return home. Geneva Farmer and Nebraska Corn Grower Association Representative Eric Candler shares his thoughts on why the trade mission is important. Well, first and foremost, Canada is our largest trading partner, and it's often overlooked just because they are so close to the United States. So the goal of this mission was really to say thank you to Canada, but while we've been here, this has transformed into a bigger picture conversation about NAFTA and the free trade right now that we have between our two countries, not just on the ag side, but also uh, industry, commerce, and economic development side. Kamler adds that people from the states often overlook Canada while thinking about trade. I would say the biggest takeaway for me is the value of Canada. Uh, it's, like I said, our largest export market as a state and also one of the largest as a country. And it's often overlooked in a lot of fronts and not just trade. And I think Canada and the United States will continue to have a very strong relationship. The trip is the first official trade mission to Canada in Nebraska's history. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. Retail sales of high-horsepower two-wheel drive farm tractors in the U.S. and Canada fell 23% July from a year ago. And that is from the American... Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Sales of four-wheel drive tractors are flat in low-volume sales, while harvesting combines were up 6%. The lackluster sales report did little to con- contradict the negative sales outlooks for the North America offered up by the equipment manufacturers. USDA forecast better-than-expected crops yesterday and yields for this year. That's likely to keep commodity prices under pressure and discourage farmers from buying equipment. Machinery makers John Deere, CNH, and Agco all closed lower yesterday. And being a good neighbor is very important in any farming or ranching operation. Bruce Gorder has that story. That fact is even more important when your operation is close to town, as is Alan Henry's, who farms near Indianola, Iowa. city keeps growing. Urban squall for everybody keeps growing. But our, our edge of our property, less than a quarter mile from my house, is the city limits. And we farm several acres in the city limits also. And then lots of people from town are building in the country. So we're very urban where we farm and so trying to be a good neighbor with all of your 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 family and neighbors that are not necessarily farmers is is our big challenge so when it comes to virtually every step of of farming we need to be a good neighbor i mean from planting from working the ground 
through herbicides, harvesting, the wind blowing corn stalks, everything. We, we need to be aware of what our neighbor thinks of what we're doing. That's Alan Henry, and I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. And nearly 250 Kansas wheat farmers met in Wichita on August 8th for the Wheat U event sponsored by the High Plains Journal and Indigo Ag. Dr. Eric DeWolf, professor of plant pathology at K-State, was a keynote speaker and his topic was timely one. Wheat streak mosaic, an old enemy with devastating impacts. It caused a conservative $76.8 million of direct losses to wheat producers this year alone. You're listening to the Roll Radio Network. Coming up later this week at the Missouri State Fair is going to be a unique opportunity. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harney. Network. Let's get our weather update from Ag Extension climatologist Al Dutcher there at the University of Nebraska. Al, lots of folks wondering about the weather now. We've had some cooler weather. Can we have a little bit of heat, though, to go with it to finish off these crops? Well, it looks like uh, if we can get through another week of these cooler temperatures, we'll start to see those highs start to move back up to normal to probably even above normal as we get into late next week. But in the meantime, we're still dealing with this upper air trough that's been situated over the Great Lakes region, keeping us in what we call a northwest flow aloft. That's cool temperatures above. At the surface, uh, especially in eastern Nebraska, being on the southwest periphery of that upper air trough, we get in that cooler, dry air at the lower layers. And a lot of these precipitation events the last few days moving across the state have kind of petered out as they've got into eastern Nebraska, hitting that dry air. So the real beneficiaries of most of this precipitation have been the western half of the state. And this week's drought monitor reflects the couple of weeks of precipitation we've had out in this region, and it's accumulatively impacts have at least allowed us to ease off the drought. But in the meantime, we're dealing with yet another system that's going to move through the state this weekend. The best opportunity for precipitation, from my standpoint, looks to be central Nebraska through western Nebraska tomorrow, uh, particularly in the afternoon hours. And then as we move through the evening hours, we may see some of that shift into eastern Nebraska, although the GFS model, which we've been using quite a bit and has not been a very good performer this year, is a essentially losing some of that punch as we go to the east. Now, as we go into the day on Monday, it does look like we're going to get a period of dry weather and just some maybe isolated pop-up thunderstorms is the main activity with the, uh, with the system that we're going to experience this weekend. kind of pushes into the southern plains, but it doesn't take long for at least some of that moisture return to start coming back into our area, particularly as we get into the midweek period. As yet another system moves across the northern plains, may generate some thunderstorm activity in western Nebraska, particularly on Wednesday, and some of that may hold together enough that we'll see that move into southeastern. Nebraska, particularly on Thursday, and there is some evidence from the GFS at least that maybe a small thunderstorm complex may develop in south central Nebraska, particularly on Friday, as a warm front starts to move into our region and pushes toward the north, ushering in this very warm temperatures that we were expecting to occur a few days earlier last week. But it does look like the heat will return, and that means we'll see temperatures moving back up into the 80s, upper 80s, and possibly even warmer than that, depending on how intense the heat is. But it does appear to hold on for a good solid week in the models before we see another cool down coming basically a week from this weekend. 
uh, we'll start to see some of that cooler temperatures, or excuse me, in two weeks from this weekend, start to see some of those cooler temperatures move back into our region. So, you know, at least we're going to get a little bit of heat. In terms of what we're looking at for, of course, the day of the eclipse, right now the models are all over the place. One day they're showing scattered light precipitation. The next day they're showing sunny skies. So based on model performance, I think we're going to have to probably wait till next week, uh, late next week, before we have a firm grasp on exactly what's going to go on. But models are hinting at this point that possibly some scattered shower activity more in line with eastern and central Nebraska if it does occur than western Nebraska. But it will be dark regardless, clouds or not, right? That is correct. And in fact, you know, the eclipse itself will not change because that's, you know, outside the Earth's atmosphere. But if we are cloudy, the totality or the amount of darkness will probably... Good afternoon, Scott. Well, the Nebraska State Little League team from Kearney didn't go down without a fight. That game just went final. The final score was 9-5 to in favor of Webb City, the team representing Missouri. Missouri had a 9-0 lead going into the bottom of the fifth inning. Braden Anderson from Kearney hit a grand slam home run to bring the score to 9-4, and then Kearney got one more run in the bottom of the sixth of final inning. After a relief pitcher was brought in for Webb City, they were able to get the final three outs of the game. Kearney Little League ends their season in Indianapolis at the Midwest Regional Little League Baseball Championship after a 9-5 loss to Webb City, Missouri. Injuries have indeed plagued the Husker football team early in camp this fall, the latest being four-star freshman wide receiver Javon McQuitty. Head coach Mike Riley gave us an injury update earlier today. We were doing a little blocking drill the other day, and Javon McQuitty hurt his knee and will need surgery. So he will be out for the year. And then th- these guys will be back, but they pulled muscles, so we're missing a couple slot backs right now, too. Keon Williams and J.D. Spielman, they'll be back. I, I think J.D. is day-to-day, and Keon's probably two weeks away. He had a good hamstring pull. Trey Bryant did not practice. Trey has had... Over the course of time we've had him, he's had kind of wear and tear issues with his knee, and so we're giving him a break. Tyjon Lindsay is now the lone four-star wide receiver remaining from the 2017 recruiting class. Ricky Fowler is keeping up his birdie binge at the PGA Championship. He picked up two more during his first nine holes of the second round earlier this morning, including one on the tricky 17th hole. That gives him eight birdies through the first round and a half. He made the turn at one under for the day and three under for the tournament. Three strokes behind leader Kevin Kaisner. The 177 par 3 17th yielded just five birdies during the first round. That's the fewest of any holes at Quail Hollow Club. Fowler had a birdie on the 14th and another on the 17th after plopping his tee shot about 15 feet from the flagstick, then making the putt. Cubs right-handed pitcher John Lackey is 4-0 with a 3.0 ERA in four starts since the All-Star break. The 38-year-old has helped keep the World Series champs on top of the NL Central, and he'll try to improve on his 9-9 record when he pitches at Arizona later today. And Joey Votto takes a 15-game hitting streak, the longest active run in the majors, into Cincinnati's series opener at Milwaukee. The first baseman is batting 478 with five homers during this string, which is two games shy of his career high. Votto has homered four times in the last six games and has 31 this year. His highest total was 37 during his 2010 National League MVP season. That's a look at sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is just ahead. You're listening to the Rule Radio Network. Mostly sunny skies today with the highs around 80. I'm Dave Schroeder. A motorcyclist has been killed in a collision at an intersection in northwest Grand Island. The accident occurred around noon yesterday. Witnesses reported that the southbound motorcyclist 
accelerated to beat a traffic signal that turned red as he entered the intersection. Police say the motorcycle then collided with a car that was turning. Police say the motorcyclist, 46-year-old James O'Brien of Loop City, died around 7.10 p.m. last evening at a hospital. Police say the helmet that O'Brien had been wearing didn't meet federal safety standards. The car driver has been identified as 25-year-old Raymond Schmidt of York. Police say he received minor injuries when his airbag deployed. The 2017 Nebraska State Fair gets underway in two weeks. State Fair Facility Director Jamie Parr says there will be plenty of antique tractors on display again this year. A daily display each day of the State Fair. You can usually find almost 200 pieces of antique uh, farm machinery on the fairgrounds. There are working demonstrations every day, scheduled times where they um, start those machines up and they produce things right here on the fair. The State Fair opening ceremony is Friday, August 25th at 10 a.m. on the Family Fun Zone stage. The State Fair is August 25th through September 4th. A federal appeals court has agreed with a lower court's ruling upholding Nebraska's law requiring picketers to stay at least 500 feet away from funerals. The U.S. Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals said that all speakers, including members of the Westboro Baptist Church, have a constitutionally protected right to express their beliefs at funerals, but the appeals court also said that those rights are not absolute and some time, place, and or manner restrictions are allowed. Shirley Phelps Roper, a prominent member of the Topeka-based church, sued in 2009, arguing, among other things, that the Nebraska law is selectively enforced. The church protests at funerals throughout the country using anti-gay chants and signs because it believes God is punishing U.S. military members and others for defending a nation that tolerates homosexuality. In Kansas, Trago County authorities are tallying the damage after a storm carrying large hail damaged homes and businesses throughout the county. Emergency Management Director Kathleen Fabrizius says softball-sized hail hit the county early yesterday afternoon, overturning vehicles, downing power lines, and causing accidents across the county. She says windows at the courthouse, a nursing home, and the Joaquini Family Care Center were blown out. As the severe storm season moves in, remember, the Weather Watch never sleeps. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Taking place on August 24th is a Water and Crops Field Day in North Platte. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Rorick Pallman. He's the chairman of the Nebraska Water Balance Alliance, who is really heading up this field day. It's going to take place at the West Central Research and Extension Center. Rorick, why don't you tell us a little bit about NUBA and some of the stuff you're doing, especially when it pertains to this field day? Absolutely. Uh, NUBA is a, is a grassroots group that uh, looks at uh, bringing together innovators and early adopters and, and how, do we, uh, how do we share that information and, and broaden that base of, of people that are like-minded and uh, how do we help solve uh, concerns or issues. And, and this, is, this is another venue to do that is we're really excited uh, partnering with uh, Aquamart and also with uh, the University of Nebraska uh, putting on this field day. So we're going to start early in the morning. The wheat board will be uh, present and accounted for with, uh, with uh, cinnamon rolls and coffee and, and uh, through the day. So there'll be three tracks. There'll be economics, there will be agronomy, and there'll be hydrology. 
So if you can put that on your own operation and think of terms of, of what kind of impacts uh, right now today, you can, you can probably argue that any one of those will have an impact on your bottom line and, and uh, what are some opportunities going forward that may help you as a producer and to make uh, better uh, decisions about marketing or, or better about uh, uh, agronomic decisions or with um, entomology, with uh, pest pressure, uh, uh, and then obviously with water. That's, that's, a, that's, that's always a a hot topic in western Nebraska and in particular this year where you know we had limited rainfall again and and uh, we had pressure on on pumping and pumping costs so uh, you'll be able to choose uh, amongst all of those if there's a if there's a uh, session that you're interested in uh, economics and then also one in water you can jump from one to the other you're not locked into any track but it allows a tremendous amount of flexibility for a producer uh, to really hone in on what's important to his operation. We're excited about it. It's, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're stretching out and trying something new again. And historically, you have a great connection with those who produce the technology that can be used in operations. Is that theme going to continue through this event? That will continue. Uh, we expect uh, as many as up to 50 manufacturing vendors. Uh, it'll be an outdoors event, again, with a tent, and, and uh, those guys will also be out there um, with uh, displaying their latest technology, the latest improvements. Uh, there's some startups uh, that are going to be there that have some really interesting uh, concepts of, of evaluating um, not only imagery but also uh, real-time decision-making tools that, that really would help a producer uh, to, uh, to make a better bottom line. And you've also had some unique speakers in the past, too. Is that something we could expect from this event? That will continue. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, we've reached out uh, to a broader area, but you, know, you want to continue to focus on what's important to the region. And uh, you want to make sure that that's all relevant. And, and we, we really sort through that and make sure that, that it's important to a producer in southwest Nebraska, but also as a, may have a, uh, a track that somebody in northeast Nebraska may be interested in. So um, we're hoping for, uh, obviously, some uh, senator participation, uh, also some research um, and extension. And so there's, I mean, there's, there's something for everybody. And we're going to conclude the day with the TAPS project is going to be on display. That is testing ag performance solutions. And, and that is a competition amongst 15 uh, different growers and groups. So uh, to give you a little bit of the idea of the diversity, there is a team of senior agronomy students that are on a team from UNL. There's a team from NCTA. There's uh, 12 farmers. Of those 12, I think there's three that have a consortium of farmers that are making the decision. So it's a simulated 3,000 irrigated acre farm. And so you make the seed variety. This is corn, irrigated corn. And you make uh, fertility decisions. You make irrigation decisions. Then you also have crop insurance. And you also have to market it. And so um, there's, a, there's a whole list of parameters that we don't have time for today, but I encourage you to, to uh, take a look at that where you hope to expand that to the other commodities. The outcome is on ROI. It's on return on investment. The second expectation is on nutrient and water management. And then third is yield. But the yield piece is really interesting. Is uh, Without exception, everybody's in agreement that the yield piece is a percentage of ROI. Now, you could have yield and still have ROI, and you'll be fine. But if you have best ROI uh, and somebody else wins the yield and you're only 40% of ROI, 
that's all your uh, return is going to be. So you're almost penalized for over-fertilizing, over-watering, over... I mean, it's just, it, it's an interesting concept. So th we're, we're dipping our toes in the water on this one. There's a lot going on for this year's event, and it is, again, in North Platte at the West Central Research Extension Center, and NUBA has a focus a lot on western Nebraska, some of the water issues going on. But like you said, it's really an event for everyone in the state. It is, and we hope to ex expand the TAPS project next year to include municipals, to uh, even um, uh, other teams that, that are are interested in the water conversation so that they could participate. And, and this is about Nebraska. This is about resource management. This is about a, a um, open conversation to, to really uh, put innovation and, and adoption on the forefront. And, and we're really excited about it. We're, it please come. I mean, it, it's going to be a full day, start at eight, you know, 8 in the morning, and it's going to be clear till 3 or 4. Uh, but it'll be a full day. You can pick your path. Uh, you're not locked into any particular session. Uh, we're excited about that kind of a format. Again, the Water and Crops Field Day will be held on August 24th at the West Central Research and Extension Center here in North Platte. We've been talking with Rourke Pullman. He is the chairman of the Nebraska Water Balance Alliance. More information about this event can be found by visiting ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harden. Next, we get a livestock futures review with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe, yeah, a little rebound today in uh, in the cattle. Uh, bounced pretty good, uh, but uh, you know, pretty uh, hard down. Uh, obviously, we're closing uh, lower for the week, but uh, at least it, we got a little relief uh, here today. Uh, spent the day mostly higher all all day long. Uh, not much to report on cutouts at noon. We're lower once again on the choice, so uh, it, it didn't help matters much. We did make uh, a run uh, at yesterday's highs, but uh, that failed late, and we kind of sold off. But uh, uh, pretty tough week when you uh, look at, at the market overall for both uh, cattle and feeders. Hogs, though, finished the week higher finish the day higher uh, with the exception of the uh, back end of the month uh, cash seemed to be holding in uh, pretty steady we're closing in on that index uh, which is keeps falling but uh, the two are going to meet Monday is the last uh, trading day for uh, the August contract and that puts October in the lead at a big discount once again uh, uh, $16 so it's going to be interesting how uh, the uh, trade takes that early next week. But uh, all in all, uh, kind of a quiet day in, in essence, uh, despite the fact that uh, we had uh, some triple-digit gains in, uh, like in the feeder cattle. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. You can call him at 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. Fridays in the field. I'm Shaylee Peters, and we find ourselves back in central Nebraska with farmer Ben Peters. Peters farms near Worms, Nebraska in Merrick County. And this week, we go into more on the soybean side of things. We didn't get too far into soybeans last time, but as you can tell, they've grown a little bit. 
Peters talks about where his beans are at this growing season. Well, we started watering beans pretty hard, uh, and they started throwing pods, and now we're in the grain fill stage, so um, we're really just kind of trying to keep the water to them, and that's about all you can do right now. We had some cold weather and rain and stuff right at the beginning of May, so I didn't start planting beans until I think the 5th or 6th of May, and everything came through really well. These are these soybeans are ridge-tail soybeans, so really don't have too many issues getting a good stand here. I planted these at 135,000 in 36-inch rows. I've uh, been having pretty good luck with that. So, And this field hasn't been soybeans for quite a number of years, so I'm anticipating pretty good yields here. Temperatures have been cooler here in central Nebraska, and Peters talks about how that's been good for his soybeans, but we might need some heat to finish off the corn. I hate to ask for it to get hotter, but I wish it was about 10 degrees warmer. It's not bad for the corn, it's just slowing it down a little bit. Just now starting to see some of it dent. The good news is we're not using near as much water irrigating with it being this cool, So, and I'm sure it will probably get warm again, it usually does. With the past month bringing very hot temperatures as well as those cooler temps more recently, Peters says they have missed out on some key rains. Yeah, we haven't had a big rain for I don't know how. It's been quite a while. We've caught a lot of 30, 40 hunters. Then you get south of here a few miles just across the Prairie Creek, and it seems like they've been catching a half inch or so every week. But I know a lot of the storms to our west and south, the rain they've gotten have also, they've gotten some hail and stuff, and we don't really, I at this point, don't want that at all. Since we last visited with Peters, a very key time of the growing season took place, pollination. He says high temperatures during that time did cause some issues with his corn. Most of it looks good. I've got like 55 acres at home and then about 40 acres on another farm that had, uh, well at home there some ears just didn't pollinate very well in the first place. And then on the other farm, some of them tipped back quite a bit. And those were some of my earlier planted fields. They just ended up started pollinating when it was, you know, the upper 90s and then it didn't cool off a whole lot at night. Other than that, everything looks pretty good. Uh, like I said, uh, it's just behind a little bit where it probably should be, but we're okay. It's I've looked for a couple of days, but it's starting to dent, so we're we're getting there. And also in the news lately are increased reports of dicamba injury. Peters said he didn't escape that either. I haven't really seen any issues with disease in the beans and the corn. I have had some gray leaf spot just a little bit, and then on another 80, um, it looked like some of that bacterial uh, leaf stripe. Um, I had a little bit of that last year and it came back. The only thing I've seen in beans is I did have an 80 that got it got a little bit of chemical drift from dicamba, um, but they it set them back probably for three weeks or so. They finally came out of it. They're behind a little bit, but they are finally putting pods on, so they look like they're going to be okay. I, th- I think the corn's going to be good. It, with this cooler weather during grain fill, I think that helped a lot. And I think the beans look like they're going to be pretty good. Like these beans here are potted pretty heavily, and they're potted all the way to the top, which is usually, if you get clusters, like right in here, there's a cluster all the way to the top. Usually old-timers say those are pretty good beans. So they look good, but we've got quite a ways to go yet. So We'll catch up with Central Nebraska grower Ben Peters next time. You can always find all of our features on ruralradio.com. For Fridays in the Field, from Central Nebraska, I'm Shaylee Peters. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we watched corn and soybeans close higher, wheat lower. But it looks like yesterday's excitement sucked all the air out of today's trading. Volume was pretty low at the end of the day. 
And we're with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We'll turn our attention to this little bit of a rebound in corn and soybeans. What did you make of it? Well, I think, you know, it's about perspective. And, and you know, we're basically at the lows from last week. We had a pretty decent close here. I think you could probably call it the lowest close of the quarter, but it wasn't by much. So even after all the bad news that we've gotten the last two days, weak basis, the story about old crop corn, you know, the market's still somewhat hanging in. I know 375 December corn isn't going to get anybody excited, but certainly better, I think, than the market uh, would maybe look look like it would be if, if you had taken in consideration the kind of news and the shock that we got yesterday. So I uh, like the price action into the close. The weather reports still remain, I think, somewhat friendly for the bulls in the short run, given the lack of precipitation in the Midwest. It's this heat that just has me kind of wondering what's what's the real story. I would like to say Monday's report, crowd progress reports, would be a, uh, something to watch, but I don't know if the trade's going to put a whole lot of emphasis behind them, given the uh, the lack of follow-through from the from the reports out of USDA yesterday, and I, I think that's the biggest question I have. I'm, I'm not here to gripe. I, I don't really, I'm more of a surfer when it comes to the markets. I, I don't think complaining about anything makes sense. I just like some explanation on why they need the uh, the weekly reports if they're not going to correlate with the uh, kind of the end analysis that comes from them. And the dollar today was below 93. Does that signal anything? That's something that's really important. I think the dollar is, is a story here nobody's really talking about, but you know we're continuing to make new lows. Looks like it's kind of curving back down a technical break here, and it looks like we'll probably retest those lows. You know, g- given the the situation in North Korea, you would think uh, there would be a rush to cash um, if there was really something legit there, and, and there certainly could be. But the dollar isn't acting like that it really wants to go down, go up. And I think that's that. The fact that we haven't rallied on that kind of news tells me that uh, there's probably more selling to come. And I think from a wheat trade that we, we should start to see some gra- some some grabbing hold of price here. I, I would like to think that we, uh, we're putting in some lows. Um, part of me thinks maybe we need to run down and, and see what's below that $4 level to see the, what the LDP situation is. But uh, spring wheat, all about liquidation in that market. And I think the dollar will be a supportive factor longer run. Short term, it's about money flow. So give it a couple of days before you jump into the long side. I still remain bullish that market. I know it's tough to hear, but uh, it's one of those things. I think in the long run, you'll see prices back above $5 at some point this winter. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.